We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host, Nick Bellato. Tonight, we're here to talk to you a little bit about Giants cutdown day, the initial 53-man roster, plus a trade the Giants made to acquire another former top 45 pick. The, fir- the first one, Isaiah Sim, was actually way higher than top 45. And I do apologize a little bit for coming to you a little bit later, but I had a busy work day headed into the city for NFL CBS kickoff day, which was a lot of fun. I got to meet Boomer Sison today, Nick, and I got to tell you, he is a very cool guy. A few other guys as well. Um, and the most fun part about the day actually wasn't talking to Boomer, which was amazing. And he, he told me a really funny story about Frank Reich, as well as I gave me giving him credit for Josh Allen, because back in 2020, I'd actually met Boomer. So I didn't really meet him today, but I, I had a conversation with him today, like one on one. That was kind of more of a group interview and he called Josh Allen as a breakout before Josh Allen's breakout season. So I had to credit him for that. But the coolest thing actually was actually, I don't know if I could say the coolest thing on there. I'll tell you this off air, Nick, something very fun that had to do with NFL game film that I got to see. So it was, it was very good, very fun, good day. And now I'm back to talk giants football with you, Nick. And I want to start with what I would consider to be the biggest news of the day. And that would be the giants trading for Carlos Boogie Basham the linebacker slash edge slash defensive lineman. I think he's going to play a multitude of roles. It's a similar trade to the Simmons one in the sense that one, they traded for a player who can fill a multiple roles on the defense and is a positionless player, something Wick Martindale prioritizes too. They traded for a top 45, a former top 45 pick and three, which I don't think everybody knows Nick. And I was a little bit surprised to see. They traded for a former elite athlete, at least from a testing standpoint. So Carlos Bookie Basham at the Combine had a 9.38 relative athletic score. He tested elite from a speed standpoint with a 4.6240 at 274 pounds, a 10-yard split of 163, a 20-yard split of 2.7, elite, elite, a short shuttle that was elite, a three-cone that was great, not borderline, not elite, but great, vertical and broad jumps, which were also really good for his size and for his build. So... This is kind of another bet by the Giants. Again, Nick, relatively low risk. They trade, they swap future picks and all the way in 2025, which by the way, we don't even know. It's a chance that uh, the Giants pick could be better than the Bills pick in 2025. Who knows? But they, they've swapped future picks. I'm sure there's some kind of, um, you know, stipulation you can go over that I might've missed on that, but they swap future picks, trade for a top 50, former top 50 pick, 
big athletic score, positionless player who they believe can be a better fit for their defense than he was with the Bills. So I'm a big fan of this trade, obviously, as I was the Simmons trade, Nick. That's just my kind of trade. It's a very low-risk, high-reward, upside type of deal. So, again, very excited. What were your initial thoughts on this deal? I love the deal, but I have to make one correction, Dan. He was selected 61st overall, so he's not a top 45. But 61st is still high. It's a second-round pick. And, Dan, we talked about Boogie Basham on the podcast. I'll say this. I went through a bunch of his film, and there's going to be a piece up on Big Blue View if anybody wants to go and check it out. I didn't see that speed necessarily translate, and I did think he was a little bit of a – I don't want to say a hot and cold player because the hustle was always there, but there were times throughout his tape where he just kind of wasn't really doing anything, and he didn't really see him. Despite that, I did see someone who was hustling a lot. I don't think he's overly explosive as an edge rusher. He is prompt with his hand usage to maximize his ability to get to the half man and hip to hip relationship. And once he's there, he typically maintains a low center of gravity, low leverage, and understands how to use his hands to flip his hips, to really turn that corner, that outside shoulder of the tackle inward. I love the versatility as you brought up. He had a couple of really nice plays at one technique and two eye technique on third down situations. Overall, I think this is a high floor type of player. I don't think he's come close to reaching the potential that we saw when he came out of Wake Forest because you and I both liked him. I don't think that necessarily has consistently translated in the two years he spent with the Buffalo Bills. But all in all, I think this is somewhat of a, I don't want to say a replicated skill set, but somewhat of a replicated skill set to Jihad Ward, which is not a bad thing. The Giants, what was their primary goal? And I've talked about this a lot during the offseason. It was get more physical up front and be a better run-defending team. Boogie Basham is going to be much better than O'Shane Zimenez and much better than Timon Fox with those two things. Timon Fox is a little bit more explosive, and O'Shane is a little bit more explosive. But Boogie Basham, there really wasn't many clips or plays of him just getting bullied in the run game. He's an assignment sound player, and I think it's also very important to note this. He's going to a completely different system. But if you look at what Leslie Frazier ran, it was a lot of four down front, You're just going to rush for, I think they blitz like 19% of the time, which is like 20% less than what the Giants did this last year. I think Boogie Basham is going to have a one-on-one schemed uh, pressure, just like everybody else on this defense. And I think he is, his hustle will also lead to a lot of those fans love him type of plays. You know, it's like second and long or third and long, and he's chasing some quarterback near the boundary or something. I think that's the type of player we're going to get. He's not going to have a full complement of snaps. All in all, I do really like this trade though. I think you hit a lot of the important points here, Nick. The first being that he is in a lot of ways like a clonish type of idea. I don't want to say he's a clone because I think he's a different prospect, especially at his age, and it has more upside than a Jihad Ward. But I think right away, you mentioned he's going to be better at like setting that physical hard edge than a Tomon Foxwood or than a Shane Zimenez. To be honest, Nick, I think he'll probably do a better job of that than Gavon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari as well. And there's a role for that. There's a fit for somebody like that. Remember, last year, the Giants watched that team. They literally watched how helpless they were against the Eagles' run game in the divisional playoff game. You can talk about how the Giants didn't have a lot of explosive pass plays on offense, but that wasn't their main weakness. Their main weakness last year was their inability to stop teams who ran power gap against them. They had no answer whatsoever. It wasn't a person. It it wasn't a coaching issue. At least with the explosive pass plays, the Giants generated some down the stretch in that Vikings game with good coaching, with Daniel Jones, with, you know, getting on the same pages of Hodgins, finding Richie James. There was no answer for the run defense last year. There was no personnel they could put on the field that can do that. Now they have another guy to add to the Jihad Ward mix, somebody who can set that physical edge, 275 pounds, can bring you that physicality in a run game. And there are now you know, situations, Nick, where we might see 
the big three defensive linemen in the middle with uh, Ashawn Robinson, Leonard Williams, and Dexter Lawrence. And then there's chances we might also see Nick Jihad Ward and Boogie Basham on the field as like a big ass five man front where they're just like against teams like Derrick Henry. They're just like, okay, we're going to stop the run. We're going to have these five dudes up front. And honestly, some of those dudes can rush the passer. Leonard Williams can rush the passer when he's fully healthy. Dexter Lawrence can rush the passer when he's fully healthy. So I'm very intrigued by just the idea of how they're going to use him, Nick. And I also want to talk about a few other things. You mentioned how we both liked his college tape and he hasn't lived up to the hype. I think that's almost like a given, Nick. Obviously, he was traded for a seventh round or for a swap of late round picks. And he was traded because he was going to get cut otherwise. Just like Isaiah Simmons, they haven't lived. These two players haven't lived up to their college tape. But that doesn't mean that they weren't productive players at some point in the past. And it doesn't mean that they can't be productive players in a different system. Sometimes we've seen, just look at Daniel Jones, for example, in Jason Garrett's system versus Brian Dable's system. It honestly looks on tape like you're watching two completely different players. And that's partially due to him. Daniel Jones worked his ass off to get better in a lot of ways and have a better feel for the pocket. But it is also partially due to the coaching. And that carries over to all positions. This is a player who had a lot of production in college. I think he was first team all ACC, Nick, in 2019. He was third team in 2020. Uh, he had 36 and a half tackles for loss and 20 and a half for uh, 20 and a half sacks over his collegiate career. So that is a guy who had a lot of production. He was in the backfield a lot at the collegiate level. Again, didn't translate as much to the NFL level, but you're talking you, what your point was so perfect. Nick played in such a different system like that system. They played with Leslie Frazier, four down linemen, a lot of two high safeties. Like it's just nothing like what Wink does. So I'm just excited to see if this is the type of player at what? What is he? 25 years old, Nick, or 26 years yeah. old? He's not old. 25. This is the type of player. If, yeah, if this is that player who can have that kind of jump that players like Jones have had with a new system. And and even in some ways, Dexter Lawrence had a big had a big jump in, in a little bit of a change, playing a little more over the center last year. So there still is a lot of opportunity, in my opinion, for him to grow. Absolutely. And this is somebody six foot three, 274 pounds, has 29 career pressures, four and a half sacks, five tackles for a loss, 37 tackles through two seasons. If you go back to his college day, 145 total pressures through his four seasons, just over 1,100 pass rushing snaps with 23 sacks. So I still think there's some meat on the bone here that we can see a player that hasn't really been actualized in the NFL yet. And it's not like he's going to get thrown to the fire here. He could slowly develop. He might have a small role come week one, even if he dresses, depending on what the Giants do in the next 24 hours, really, because the Giants could claim some of these edge rushers who have been who have been released by other teams. Because right now we're looking at the New York Giants edge room that consists of what? Kayvon Thibodeau, Aziz Ojolari, Jihad Ward, and Boogie Basham. Those are the only edge rushers because Timon Fox and O'Shane Zimenez were both cut. And that's the fallout from this trade, Nick. The fallout from this trade is we had some surprise cuts. I don't think either of us expected Timon Fox to get to get cut, right? We were probably on the long lines of thinking maybe O'Shane would, but we also said throughout camp and throughout the preseason, the Giants need some kind of edge three. They need to find some depth there. And I feel like between acquiring him and Simmons, they found – non-traditional edge threes, but two guys that can fill that role in different ways. And in a, in a sense, combined to be an edge three combined as their efforts, depending on, you know, what, what down and distance wink wants to use them. in. so I think to be honest, I feel like this is a much upgraded edge group now with the, with, and I guess you don't want to call Simmons an edge fine. You don't want to call Boogie an edge, but they're going to be used a lot in that way. And to have those two guys, instead of like O'Shane and Tomon Fox, as much as we loved Fox, a lot of that is we cover the team. Some of these guys we love, let's be honest, it's because you guys watch the team. It's because you follow the team every day. But when you see them get cut and then not claim to a roster, it tells you what they really are to the rest of the teams. But players like this, 
Boogie Basham and Simmons. It might not work out, Nick. Like, we can't just sit here and say, oh, this is a guarantee, right? Because obviously they're traded for late round picks. There's no such thing as a guarantee for when, when that's such a type of capital that is, you know, sent the other way. But I, I got to tell you, I feel a lot more confident that they can offer that value than somebody, some of these back end guys that are UDFAs that the Giants claim. And we, we like their training camp stuff. But when they've hit the real field in the real games outside of preseason, they can't beat NFL, you know, starting NFL tackles. Timon Fox is destined for the practice squad if somebody doesn't claim him. And there are some interesting names that have been released around the NFL. Former first-round picks, former second-round picks. I'm wondering if Boogie Basham would have been one of those players. It at least seems like that, right? It seems like he probably wouldn't have made the Buffalo Bills because the Bills traded him for essentially nothing. Not even a 2024 swap. It's a 2025 swap. That's kind of almost disrespectful. And the Giants were like, yes, we'll take him in. We knew the Giants were in the market for a player. That was similar to a Ryder Anderson who was hurt and who was cut because of the tricep injury. They wanted that big body guy you can line inside and also play on the edge, somewhat of a smaller version of Jihad Ward. And now they're able to get one for virtually nothing. So, Nick, actually, I think it just came out like eight minutes ago that this trade is now official. The Giants are giving up their 20. 25 six round pick and the bills are giving up their 2025 20, seventh. So it's not an even okay. round swap, but it's, it's a, it's a one round difference. And we're talking round six versus round seven. So, you know, obviously prospects in that range, a lot of teams will tell you it's pretty similar, similar grades. Once you get into that deep range of the draft. Yeah. And I think that's still a really good deal for the New York giants to bet on the upside of boogie Basham. And at the worst Basham is a high floor type of player that you're receiving. Yes. And he has the other sneaky thing about this that I like, Nick, he has not one, but two years of contract under contract. So if he does perform well within the system and he, and he is a perfect fit for wink or even just a solid fit for wink. Now they get him next year at a, at a very team friendly price. Uh, and that could really help them given the depth situation. You know, they might not be able to sign like an Ashawn Robinson players like that next off season. And we have another player who you and I have discussed a lot this off season, Darnay Holmes, who looks like he is staying on the roster for now. Again, moves are going to happen tomorrow and we have to wait and see, but he took the Darius Slayton pay cut and remains on the roster right now, which is good, man. Cause if you look at that cornerback room, we'll go into this a little bit later. I really like Trey Hawkins and I really like Deontay Banks. It's still a little bit of a problem for me. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is Dan Schneier of the Big Blue Banter Podcast. In case you didn't know, the show you're listening to right now is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. And now Blue Wire currently has 300 shows with athletes, celebrities, passionate fans like myself. I found Blue Wire right around the time when I started the Big Blue Banter Podcast. When I started Big Blue Banter in 2018, I had an idea for a show, a name for a show, and then I had to figure out how to monetize that show and grow that show. That's when I found Blue Wire. Kevin Jones put everything on the line for this company and then found us and this show a way to monetize the content with strategy sessions, provided us new segments, connect us with podcasters, and even gave us an opportunity to record in the Win Vegas studio. Blue Wire has now raised over $10 million privately to grow and operate the business. And they're raising another round right now now on WeFunder to expand the sales team and improve the operations. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It gives everyone an opportunity to be a part of the growing startup. This is not a donation. You're investing to own a piece of BlueWire. If you would like to be a part of the BlueWire investment round or you want to find out more information, go to WeFunder.com slash BlueWire. And remember, supporting BlueWire is another way to support our show and this podcast. Nick, you ever been in the spot where you just felt like, I've got a few hours to go, I'm going to this game, I'm buying tickets, and I don't have the tickets yet. You're stressing, the anxiety is at an all-time high, and you're trying to figure out what the heck you can do to get to this game. That happened to me a few years ago when the Wisconsin Badgers made the Sweet 16 game in the Madison Square Garden. My dad, diehard Badgers fan, the reason I went to Wisconsin, the reason I am a Badgers fan, I needed to get him tickets for that game. It was his birthday. So I'm stressing. I don't know what to do. And then, boom, I figure it out. I use the Game Time app. The Game Time app is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and anything near you. They got killer deals, last-minute tickets. You click open the app, and you're shocked to see that you can actually go to these games, having a good time, and not actually have to pay so much money that it breaks your bank account. Stanley Cup Final Week 1 this past season. I used the Game Time app last second. It was actually past the time of puck drop. Went on the app. I was in Vegas. Saw the Vegas Golden Knights defeat the Florida Panthers. And I also used the Game Time app to buy my entire family when they came out here to Phoenix to visit me to see Tom Segura's special, which is actually the same special Netflix used for their videotapings. And I love it because you can find so much on the app. Like you get an actual image of the seat view. Not like you're buying a seat with an obstructed view. It's an actual image. You know what you're getting. Lowest prices that I've seen by far, and that's their guarantee. You get an event cancellation protection, job loss protection. They go all out here to make sure that this is a great experience for the user. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code BANTER. That's B-A-N-T-E-R for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code BANTER. B-A-N-T-E-R for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Yeah, I think you nailed it, Nick. The, the, the reality of the situation is this. As, much, as well as those two played in the preseason, 
do you really feel confident going into the season with two rookies slated to play that many snaps and having no veteran presence in the in the in the DB room? Just from like a vet, like okay, sorry, I shouldn't say no veteran presence. Obviously, Adoree Jackson. Outside of Adoree Jackson, no vet, no real veteran presence, unless you consider Cordell Flod and you know guys like Bobby McCain and Nick McLeod. Go ahead. That's what I was going to say too. If Cordell Flott showed us a little bit more last year and I had a little bit more confidence in his development and his career arc, then I would be like, okay, we have Cordell Flott. But Cordell Flott is in that same bucket as Banks and Hawkins right now. You just don't really know. I love the fact that they have Nick McLeod, but even with Nick McLeod transitioning possibly back to cornerback, Gordon Jordan run on, I still think that position group is a little bit light. Completely agree with you. And that's why I'm happy Darnay Holmes is back. I understand that he hasn't had the best film and coverage. But he's been really strong around the line of scrimmage, and he knows the system. He brings that veteran presence. So definitely happy about that news, Nick. But even better news in my mind, I thought, was when you saw how the wide receiver room was shaking out, and you saw they cut Colin Johnson a day ago. Then you see they cut Cole Beasley, and you're like, wait a second. They cut Colin Johnson. Bryce Ford Whedon's not going to be able to play this season. They cut Cole Beasley. That must mean that they're not getting cute with this Wandale thing and they're not going to put him on the pup. And that was great news to see because he was taken off the pup today and then practiced with the team. So what does that tell you, Nick? That tells you that they believe that there's a role for him and they envision a role for him within the first four weeks of the season. And to be quite honest, that's great news. As much as we said, Cole Beasley is like pretty good in space and he has that knack. He never was going to offer the same that Wandell was going to offer if Wandell could get on the field. And so having that player back in the mix, someone we haven't even really talked that much about this offseason. Like he could end up being a big factor in the passing game. They used massive draft capital on him, and he had a hundred yard game, but breakout game before his injury last season. So it just adds more upside, in my opinion, to the wide receiver room and to the upside and to the potential for this Giants pass offense to be a little bit more explosive. It's excellent to have Wandell Robinson back. But Cole Beasley, he's destined for the practice squad as well. I think that's what the Giants are trying to do. No one's going to claim 34-year-old Cole Beasley, put him on his active roster. You allow him to get healthy on the practice squad, and you can elevate him when he is ready. So I do think he'll be wearing Giants blue if he can just get healthy. But damn, having Wandell back, you're right. We haven't really discussed him that much because it was just so unknown. When is he going to be out there? Right now, you're looking at possibly a week one contribution from Wandell Robinson. Not a lot of people thought that. I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't contribute on week one and maybe we'll wait and see we'll have to see how healthy he is but he's running around and he practiced today so there's definitely positive trajectory there can i tell you one area i hope to never see wandell robinson nick or at least i shouldn't say never i hope to not see early in the season uh, punt, punt return punt returner. Punt return. Yeah. i've been through this hell already nick with the dory jackson yeah, last year i don't need it i know there's no great options right now a punt returner Good God, just fair catch the ball every time. It's better. Like in these today's NFL, just fair catch the ball. You don't fumble. I don't need these. You know, you risk no injury. Like I, I, ha, I know they're thinking about potentially using Wandell there. I don't want it at all there, Nick. I, I don't want to see Wandell. I don't want to see a Dory. I, I, we'll see what happens with that. But I'm still a little nervous that that Wandell could be in the mix there. Uh, and I just have no interest. I'm just, I'm not a special. T- I, I'm just out on returns at this point, Nick. I, I was watching something. I went over something today at work where it was just like they're doing. The NFL is phasing out kick returns. Essentially, you can now fair catch the ball, which was never allowed. So they're doing everything in their power to bring that down for a multitude of reasons. Like if you look at the numbers, concussions are up on those plays, and that's probably going to carry over to punt returns as well at some point. So just get ahead of the curve, get a guy who can fair catch the ball. Nice for you. He won't fumble. Um, maybe he'll take eight or six, six or eight yards. If it's right in front of him, it's a really bad punt, but um, yeah, man, I don't want to put any valuable players there. So I hope they don't have that in their mind. We also had 
Dable come out and express the 10 captains in the New York Giants. 10. It's a lot of captains, Dan. I know last year the Giants had quite a yeah. few, but that's almost a fifth of the active roster is is a captain here. And we'll go through the names real quick. I don't think there's any surprises here. It's Daniel Jones, Andrew Thomas, Saquon Barkley, Darren Waller, Graham Gano, Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Bobby Okereke, Xavier McKinney, and Dory Jackson. But I will say this, two new players who they definitely have it in them to be captains, but two new players, first time on the New York Giants, are captains. It's a real testament to Bobby Okereke and Darren Waller. That's a great point, Nick. It's a testament to how fast they've acclimated themselves on this team. And more importantly, I would say, Nick, how fast they've ingratiated themselves with their teammates, because right now you wouldn't get that captain job if you didn't prove to your teammates in practice every day that you work your ass off and that you're ready to give it your all, because that's a bit, you know, one thing that's, I know we talk about it sometimes, but not as much maybe as we should is the, the, the test, you know, the tone that Daniel Jones sets by being the first one in and practice every day and the last one out. And I know in our minds, if you don't have that at quarterback, you're never winning a Super Bowl. Regardless to us, it's a foundation. It's a baseline. But the reality of the situation is if you look across the NFL, not every quarterback is doing that. Right. And not every quarterback is not only doing that. Not every quarterback is like running for those first downs and putting their body on the line the way Daniel Jones does. So I feel like he sets the tone there. And anyone else who was named captain, like the, the players you just mentioned, even the newbies, Aaron Waller and Bobby Okereke, they've set a similar tone would be my guess. And they've really put their bodies on the line this offseason. Obviously, you mentioned Adoree Jackson. He has been unbelievably selfless, right? He's helped oh, yeah. these rookies come along, and he's agreed to slot role at times that he probably wasn't going, despite it being a contract year. Like, that is no good for his contract year hopes, right? Like, he wants to be on the outside locking down number one alpha X receivers. That's his best chance to get paid again in free agency, but he put that behind him to help the team. So I really appreciated that and like that about Adoree, by the way, this offseason. I don't know if we've mentioned that enough. And also just having this type of culture that is being instilled by this coaching staff, this front office, and those types of players and those types of people that the Giants are bringing in are the exact types of players and people that they want to have buy into what they're selling. And it is happening. I mean, I'm also just glad right now that we're not having that Blake Martinez situation because last year at this time we were like, oh shit, Blake Martinez isn't a captain. There's some shade there. And then right. a few what days later, maybe it was even, he wasn't even on the team. So we've talked about some of the cuts, Nick. Um, Shane Zimenez, Tomon Fox, Cole Beasley, who's destined for the practice squad, Ryder Anderson, who we liked, but obviously the injury situation there, I think, was really driving that one. Nick, let's talk about two surprise ones. Excuse me. I want to start with the biggest surprise for me, though maybe it shouldn't have been because maybe we should have read the tea leaves on this one. And it was Tyree Phillips, the right tackle slash right guard. He played tackle for the Giants last year in a pinch when Evan Neal got hurt. We thought he was more than capable on film, albeit over a small sample size. The Giants obviously did not feel that way. I've heard he had a slow training camp and, and, and preseason time. Obviously, he was injured at times, though, according to Jordan Schultz, who announced the cut, um, he said he's fully healthy now and ready to try to make another team. So I don't know if that's true. I don't know if it's not. It seems like this one was not injury related, Nick, but it does leave the Giants in a really precarious spot here with Matt Parrott now as the supposed swing tackle, maybe Marcus McKethan. That one feels even scarier. I don't, I think we're at a point, Nick, where outside of Daniel Jones, there's no worse injury for the Giants this year than either of these tackles, Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal. And I got to say, you know, if Kayvon Thibodeau, God forbid, knock on wood, went down, I'd feel more comfortable than if one of these guys went down. Even if one of these corners, like Dory Jackson went down, I'd sit, I swear to God, I'd feel more comfortable because I think if they have to play Matt Parrott, 
or, you know, Marcus McKethan at any point this season for Neil or Thomas, it changes the entire scheme. It changes everything you can do from a game planning standpoint. It changes what you can call as a play caller. It changes what you can call pre-snap Daniel Jones, what he can check into, what he can check out of. It pretty much ruins the offense and makes it, you know, barrels it down into a very basic offense that might work for a week or two, but will eventually get caught up to by the rest of the NFL. So it's a bad spot, but what could they have done? Like people are like, I saw someone in my replies today, like Joe Shane has not done enough to, to fix this old line. I'm like, Dude, he spent a top 10 pick on Evan Neal, right? He spent the top pick on, on Azudu. He signed a player in Glowinski. He, dra- he, signed, he drafted another guy the year before, three guys in his first draft in McKethan. And then this offseason as well, he drafted a center with a top 60 pick who's going to start right away from day one. He's done a lot. The reality of the situation is O-line sucks. It's a tough position around the NFL. The Giants are not the only people in this position. Some teams have used a wild amount of assets and are still in the same position the Giants are in. So, and and. In the end, it's not really a GM's fault in this sense, Joe Shane, because he's put a lot of resources into it. It's not like the one-and-done kind of drafts where he drafts one guy and that calls it. I mean, he's drafted, what, four offensive linemen in the last two drafts? That's a lot, you know? That's more than enough with a free agent signing like Lewinsky. So it's a bad situation at tackle three, Nick, but the Giants just have to pray that these two stay healthy. It's going to be a disaster if either of those guys go down, especially Andrew Thomas, but either of them. I mean, right now you look at some of the tackles who are released – Looking at Alex Leatherwood and Akima Denige are the two that make you the most excited, and you're not excited at all. You're excited about those guys, like you're excited about a root canal. So that's the type, that's the landscape of the available tackles at the moment. So it's a it's a disaster. One thing I would say, and I didn't like Leatherwood when he came out of the draft that year, and I don't necessarily want the Giants to go about adding him because I'm not even certain if he's better than Matt Parrott. But Brian Dable was his offensive coordinator at Alabama when he was a true freshman. He played, I think, 86 snaps under Brian Dable that year. So maybe they have some sort of insight into what makes that kid tick and they want to kick the tires on him, regardless of the fact that it's 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 a terrible situation if that's the case. I wouldn't be shocked if the Giants were – I mean, I think it would have happened by now, but if they would have looked to trade for a tackle that was on the right. roster bubble. But I think that would have already happened, similar to what the Giants just got with Boogie Basham. So they're entering the year with those two starting tackles and then Matt Parrott as the three. And that's, I mean, just watching Matt Parrott go up against like the third team Jets players was was ugly. I like him as a run blocker, yeah, but bro. yeah, yeah, it's pass protection, man. Pass protection is his issue. And basically any offensive lineman you find right now available, pass protection is going to be their issue. They're not yes. going to be able to pass protect. You have to try to like hit on somebody who... One of these teams is trying to get sneaky. He went to a division two school and they're trying to slip him on through waivers and onto their practice squad. And you just had him scouted too. And then you claim him, but that's highly unlikely, highly unlikely. And you know, when it comes to like, even a player like Leatherwood, like I liked him a little more than you did coming out of the draft, but I liked him as an interior guy. I did not like yeah. his tape when he went to tackle. I liked what he was at as a guard. And I, I so if the Giants sign him, it doesn't really help us. I mean, and even then, I don't think obviously he's not working out in the NFL. Like at some point, you know, guys are bust. Like they may have good tape in college. They may have good projection based on their traits. But like you said, what makes this guy tick? Does he have the drive to be the best he can be? And as far as the second thing you said, I don't think Shane's like slept on the like falling asleep on the wheel as far as trading for these dudes like who just made a trade i think it was the steelers traded what uh one of those one of their crappy tackles to who was that team i forgot who was it the, the bears rams, or, the rams that was yesterday the rams like the rams all i've heard about the rams this preseason nick is that their offensive line has been an epic disaster and i guarantee you this dude they trade for is not going to be good in pass protection i just guarantee it like 
that's the thing. Like, I don't think Shane was asleep at the wheel. He just doesn't want to waste picks on these dead tackles that are just not going to be any better than paired. Like there's a baseline for offensive tackle play. You got to get over that hump in pass protection. And it's very tough to get over that hump. We've seen Eric Flowers fail to do it. We've seen Bobby Hart fail to do it. At least till this point in his career, we've seen Evan Neal fail to do it, though we obviously believe he can turn that around. In year one, we saw Andrew Thomas even at times fail to do it. So it's like anyone you trade for now is not going to have a good chance of being able to do this. And the Giants also have 25 teams ahead of them in terms of waiver priority. Okay, let's go over a few more names who got cut and then the, probably the second biggest surprise after that. So we'll go Jamison Crowder, uh, Corbin, who we, we were split on, but he did get cut. Deontay Johnson, we thought. Baldonado cut. Lions cut. Pimpleton cut. DeVito cut, but he'll make the practice squad. Wilborn cut. Sills cut again. Cook cut. Amani O cut, which we I think we both kind of expected. Green cut. Ryan Jones, a tight end cut, Harlow cut. And then here was probably, and we went over the others earlier, Zimenez, Fox, Beasley, uh, Ryder Anderson due to injuries. But here was probably another big surprise for some, Nick. Um, and that was Darian Beavers. Uh, really, actually, you know what? He was the first draft pick of the Joe Shane era to get cut, which is pro probably a good sign that they haven't had to cut anyone else. But this was a surprise to some, not as much to me. I just felt like he was a tick slow coming off this ACL in the preseason to, when, when I watched him. But And I, I got to be honest with you, Nick, I was never as much into the hype as some of the fan base was. I always felt like with these late round picks, I, don't, I try not to get too excited. And the hype to me was really just based on training camp and very little actual like, game film. So it doesn't surprise me all that much, but maybe this is the situation where they're like, He's not fully healthy yet. He's going to come back to full health at some point. We'll stash him on the practice squad, and then he gets another real chance next offseason. I know you're a man of strategy, Dan, right? This is exactly what it is. It's, it's game theory. It's strategy. It's nobody is going to claim Darian Beavers, who is coming back from a torn ACL, so we can stash him on our practice squad because no one's going to activate them to his, their active yep. roster. And that's what's going to happen with Darian Beavers. It's what's going to happen with Cole Beasley, only it's a little bit of a different situation. So... Yeah, he'll be back with the Giants. Just going to be on the practice squad until he can get healthy, unless somebody were to claim it, which I highly doubt. Yeah, I highly doubt that as well, though. It is funny how the practice squad could have a young developing player coming off an ACL like Beavers and then a Cole Beasley as well on the same, <laughs> on the same group of 34 year old. Like, just crazy. The practice squad is an interesting thing. Like, and I'm like, if I'm Cole Beasley, like, am I even doing that? Like, do I even want to be on the practice squad? Like, I guess you get, what do you get paid? Like a few hundred grand or something? Well, like, it's, it's it's just a practice squad until he can get healthy enough to be on the active yeah. roster, and the Giants will. No, no, for Beasley, I'm saying. Yeah, that's that's what it is. Yeah, for Beasley. Okay, okay. He, yeah, he's not going to okay. be on the practice squad forever, and injuries also okay. happen. So if something were to happen yes, with Wondell Robinson, yeah, or Shepard, yeah, or Shepard. I don't even know if Beasley would wants to play for other teams, right? Like it seems like he wants to play for Brian Dable, and he wants to be here Agreed. with the Giants. Had a couple surprise non-cuts i guess i don't think cam yes. brown is is a surprise non-cut but we did believe carter coffin or cam brown there might only be one roster spot and ultimately it could be that way once the giants start claiming individuals dj davidson ended up making the final roster we thought maybe they would cut him and then try to bring him back like they're doing with darian beavers maybe he's a little bit further along in his progression from his torn acl last season and i believe there is another player who caught our eye as, as someone who is a um a surprise cut or a surprise. Shane Lemieux. Shane Lemieux was a Shane, surprise to both of us. It's Shane Lemieux, but no, it's Gary Brightwell's who I'm, who I'm thinking of. I was just looking okay. for it in the notes. Yeah. Gary Brightwell, who we haven't seen all preseason or all training camp. 
ends up making this team. I think a lot of that probably has to do with special teams, but it does make sense. And I battled this and I ended up going with three, like an idiot, but I did battle it. I was like, I think the giants are going to have four running backs because they love to use 21 pony personnel. They like to use yeah. sometimes 31 personnel. They like to get creative and running backs typically have a lot of upside on special teams. Giants had Gary Brightwell who has that upside. I didn't know if he was going to be healthy enough to make the roster. Maybe he will be reverted to IR by tomorrow. I'm really not sure. I don't know where his health stands at this moment, but as of right now, he is on the official initial 53 man roster. Yeah. And Gary Brightwell, someone who I'm happy made the roster. I, I predicted he would, because I just feel like the giants weighed what was more important when it came to Brightwell with actual game film in real games from 2022, mm -hmm. not some projected stuff based on training camp when you're not in pads half the time or preseason. This was, he put, I, cause the thing is this, like, yes, he was a good special teamer for the giants last year. I felt like in limited opportunities, he was a good running back for the giants as well. And I thought he performed really well on tape. He had some big conversions for the giants last year. And just generally to me, looked like he was decisive and he picked the right holes and his vision was good. So I'm very happy. He made the team. I'm actually a fan. Brightwell won me over. I wasn't a big fan of his, his first year. Yeah. And then last year I thought he was, he definitely won me over, but Lemieux was definitely a surprise. I think you did a good job of calling out why it could happen on the last episode when we predicted, because you said, just thinking about it from the outside, you know, from the 30,000 foot view, they don't really have an option at center. If God forbid, knock on wood, John Michael Schmitz were to get hurt. So at least now Lemieux has taken those snaps there. I know Bredesen has too, but they probably feel a little more comfortable since Lemieux, I think started taking them last year, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously we are probably not in a good spot. If we're going to be honest, if Lemieux has to play center, Nick, I'm no, not going to be honest no. about the situation. It's like no offense to the guy, but it's probably not good for the giants, but they felt like they probably, we needed to prioritize just having someone there just in case. We also need a long-haired badass on the roster, on the offensive line, right? I mean, we got rid of Nick Gates. He's on Washington now. You need a long-haired badass. And we know Shane Lemieux can at least grow that hair out and be a badass. One more thing before we get out of here, Danks. I know we don't have that much more time. I love the fact that Joe Shane is making these trades. We know Dave Gettleman made trades at around this time of year, but those trades were made out of pure desperation. Right now, to me, it appears like Joe Shane, these are not desperate moves. These are advantageous and opportunistic moves where Joe Shane is going out and saying, okay, this guy who is high draft value hasn't lived up to it. Let's make a phone call. We have good relationships around the league and see where that team is at with this player. And I think that's what happened with Isaiah Simmons because the Isaiah Simmons thing makes no sense. The boogie basham makes a little bit more sense, but Isaiah Simmons, you're meaning to tell me a top 10 pick only netted you a seventh rounder. It's that is crazy disgusting and such a get for the New York Giants, especially with this defensive coordinator. I think it's going to work out really well for both sides, not the Arizona Cardinals, but the Giants and Isaiah Simmons. But I just love the fact that Shane is investigating all of his options here and not being overreactionary and making these trades because he's so desperate. You're right. Shane's had a really good process, in my opinion, from the start. That's all I ever asked for, for a GM. Good process, good results typically tend to come with a good process, but not always. But as long as you have a good process, you give yourself you give yourself a much better chance of having good results. When you have a broken process, you're 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 playing with fire there and you're hoping for the best. One final thing I want to say, another player who, you know, we thought would make the roster, but it wasn't in my opinion a certainty, Sterling Shepard. I'm really happy Sterling Shepard made the yeah. roster. He's always been a favorite of both Nick and I on Big Blue Banter. We don't really care what some fans have to say about his injury history. We just are hoping for the best and hoping he gets a good bill of luck this year. You never know, in my opinion, when it comes to injuries. I know everybody's going to say he's been injured, this, this, then, but like, trust me, there's a lot of luck involved in these injuries too. And I think there's a, I'm hoping for the best there. And I look Nick and we'll, we'll end it on this, but I look at that group, Darius Slayton, Jalen Hyatt, Isaiah Hodgins, Sterling Shepard, Paris Campbell, and Wondell Robinson, those six. And I feel 
way more confident than I felt last offseason, both from a depth standpoint going into week one, from a from an overall talent standpoint, and from an upside standpoint. All three things. Check, check, check. I feel so much better about. And that makes me feel so much better about Giants having a chance to evolve into a much better passing offense in 2023. And also you add in Darren Waller, Daniel Bellinger has another year under his belt. Lawrence Cager last year was just Tanner Hudson and a rookie Daniel Bellinger at tight end on the initial 53. And just one more quick thing too. If the Giants are going to pick up players at certain positions. Obviously those players have to meet certain requirements that the giants want, but pay attention to the positions of obviously offensive tackle cornerback. I still think is up there and also edge. I would not be shocked about hybrid edge. You know how wink Martindale does. Yeah. I think those are great points by you, especially corner. I'd keep an eye on corner because the giants did made a lot of moves last off season at corner. And that's like the one position that I feel like frees up a little bit around these cuts time. There's actually players who can play in the NFL versus like a tackle position where you're just really digging at the real bottom of that bucket there to try to find something. <laughs> but anyway, thanks again for tuning into the big blue banter podcast. Keep it locked and loaded more content coming. We are going to keep coming at you with the news, but also we're going to start to do some fun stuff uh, in the coming days, like breakouts, sleepers, bus, all that type of good stuff and try to make some bold predictions for the season as well. I want to go back, Nick, and listen to our bold prediction pod because I don't remember all of them, but I know we nailed the Barkley one. That's the one I know that we really crushed uh, last season. I, Go ahead. Never made any sense. Like I, I would play yeah. fantasy football and people are like, yeah, Saquon Barkley should be like a deep second round pick. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing in the world. I got Saquon at the one, two turn and all my teams went to the playoff. Such a value last year. And I thought for a little while that was going to be Waller this year. Cause obviously, you know, over at CBS mm -hmm. sports, we start doing mock drafts, industry mock drafts, like in May. And so in the beginning of May, I was getting Waller in the sixth round, every single draft. And then, and then it started to creep up to the fifth. Or it was like the seventh, actually. No, no, it was earlier. It was like the seventh, eighth. Then it creeped up to the sixth consistently. And then it's like the fifth. And then I've seen some like yeah. some really aggressive ones in the fourth after, after that preseason game when he got like 73 targets per, per route run type of thing. So now that that deal is over with. But yeah, I agree with you on Bark last year. But don't go by all of our bold predictions last year. Because remember, a bold prediction, you're not supposed to get 100% of those right. They're bold predictions for a reason. If you're not even one of them, you're in a good spot. So we'll try to come up with some bold ones for you in the coming days as well. But uh, have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.